0: Oh my days, what's up guys, this is Aiden Targo Jones, you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for fucking Tuesday the 28th of uh, August 2018 is the year, um, The Fringe is over, it's, it's done, I don't want to talk about that yet, I'm fucking, mate, I'm sitting in the corner of a Weatherspoons pub in the centre of Edinburgh because I moved out of my house that I was living in for The Fringe with a bunch of other comics, we moved out this morning And I just haven't had anywhere to do this all day. I'm recording this at fucking 10.39 in the evening. It's Tuesday, but it's just like... I'm like sitting in the corner of a pub with my laptop open. Fucking talking into a microphone. And uh, I just heard someone at the table next to me go, Is is it only half ten? Which means they intend to stay. This pub is so loud. I think I've figured out how to cancel the noise out of this mic. I'm mm. drinking a beer instead of a tea Oh, the fucking 18-year-old boy I'm assuming he's 18 Who just served me What an absolute little sweetheart Fuck, he was terrified pouring that pint <laughs> He gave it a fucking red-hot go You know when you see someone I kind of just wanted to give him a little kiss on the forehead, you know Like, <clears throat> you see someone working in a bar And I, I had to stop myself from being like hey man how long you worked here for good for you like it's all condescending and shit because he like <laughs> first of all he turned around and the big motherfucking lad next to me at the bar he went to serve him first and the guy was like no nah, pointed to me it was like he was here first so i was like thanks man that's fucking dope you're a you're a champ and then um and then this kid like i'm just like just a tenants man and he's like oh ooh. i'm like just a yeah a tenants here yeah and then he kind of does like 3 laps of the bar looking for a glass. Finds <laughs> a glass, goes to pour my beer, gets it all the my almost to the top and then like stops and goes to pour the last little bit, and the gas pops into the beer. So he's just got half a pint of foam now, and he's just like, you can tell he's so stressed. He like, (laughs) he like grabs a a straw out of the fucking thing, like I'm sure his manager told him to do, and he's like, like, you could tell this kid is like pouring the beer, going like, oh, one day I'm going to be a bartender. (laughs) Like, he takes it all serious, like sushi chefs, you know? He's like, one day my manager, Steve, is going to say, boy, you're a good tender of (laughs) bars. Because it's like the first thing in his life that he's fucking done by himself, and so he's taking it real serious. Little does he know (laughs) that no one on the other side of the bar respects him. Oh. Um, that was me, man, when I was fucking, when I was 18, it was just the first thing I had done, am I projecting my story onto this kid? Probably, but, um, that was like the first thing that I had done, was like working in a bar, so, I just thought that that was the thing that I was gonna take seriously, I always wonder when people do end up working in bars for a long time, is it just because they never tried anything else, you know, cause you get people who are like, man, I really love working in bars, I take the shit fucking serious. And it's just like, do you? Or do you just... Is this just the first thing that you tried and then you, you just, like, kind of okay with it and you don't know that you can be happier? <laughs> what a pretentious cunt forcing my fucking life onto other people. Yeah, conform to my narrative. I don't know. I, I, it's a bummer, but I do kind of feel like when I see someone who's like 40 working in a bar, I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry, you know? But maybe they love it. I just, I remember, um, I remember uh, fucking an old friend, Yana, that me and me and my mate Phil ran into a couple years ago. We were out for a night and uh, just like drinking in bars in Melbourne. And we ran into this chick and she was like, we hadn't seen her in like a couple, of, well, I hadn't seen her in like four years. She used to date one of my fucking stupid drug, drug addict mates. And um, we ran into her and she was like, oh, yeah, I've had to say goodbye to hospital because of my back and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, good, you yeah. know? Like, you absolutely should say goodbye to hospitality work at some point. She, like, hurt her back so she can't lift the boxes or whatever anymore. And it's like, that that's your fucking ticket out the game, man. You don't want to be working in bars when you're fucking, when you're 40. Oh, my God. I mean, fuck, I'm still, who knows whether I'm going to have to go back to work at a cafe In the next few months, I mean, like, with with the money that I make from comedy or lack of, I don't fucking know. Um, Yeah. Which brings me nicely onto the fringe. The fringe is good. No, no, no. I made good fucking cash in the fringe. I made... Open books, man. I made uh, 21... uh, Yeah, 2,100 pounds from... No, sorry. Where's my... Oh, oh, okay. my bloody figures out. I did my figures before. I went for a lovely meal at a place whose name i have dutifully forgotten let me have a look i did an instagram story about it it's just like scottish look okay it was a scottish restaurant but i don't know that it was like that special what was it called it's called stack polly which apparently evidently is like the name of some fucking hill in scotland or something i don't know Um, but I went there and it was like, the food was good. I had a, what did I have? A triple fried bit of goat's cheese to start. And then I had, um, salmon, grilled salmon with a bunch of like veggies and and potatoes. And it was really nice actually. And it was filling and good. And I sat in there, I did my figures for the year. So Edinburgh Fringe, um, I don't know why I'm ripping on that stack polyplay. It just wasn't amazing. You know, when you go, like, when I take myself out for a nice dinner at a place, I drop 40 quid on that for, like, the the two things and a glass of wine. 40 quid, 44 with service charge. And it was just, like, it was good. I never had that moment of, like, oh, yes. I had the moment of, like, hey, I'm out here doing some shit by myself and I love it. But I didn't have that fuck yeah moment, you know. But anyway, um... So I, yeah, I went to the bank today. I put in my uh, 1,644 pounds, 78 P into the bank. That was a fucking beautiful moment, man. All that, I got in there at like 4.30, counted up, uh, I sat on this table and counted for like fucking half an hour. And then I just finished as the dude came over to tell me they were going to close. I was like, yep, got it. Ran over to the counter and um, just flopped down fucking 1,600 pounds in coins and notes. and was like, I'm so sorry it's the end of your day and I'm giving you this shit. I know you fucking hate me, but this is what it is, you know. Um, But, yeah, so that, sixteen forty four and 78, um, plus 448 minus a bit of fucking uh, fees and shit on the card reader, which that, man, the iZettle card reader was a fucking lifesaver, this fringe. That... And shout-outs to George Dimorellis, comic from Melbourne, who uh, put the hard word on me about two-thirds of the way through the run and said, you got to start charging £10 for your book. Stop giving away for five. Make it ten, and people will pay ten. And, the, man, my fucking my, – um, my, my buckets went up so much after that. I ended up getting – I got the last two days, I got uh, 100 and, 146 – on the Saturday, and 193 on the Sunday, out of fucking, on the Sunday, I had fucking 40 people in, I got 193 pounds out of them, that's almost 5 pounds a person, amazing, anyway, that's, I'm going way off topic here, um, yeah, the fringe was good, The so my show, thanks, by the way, to everyone who came to my show, uh, it was amazing, I had 845 people in through the run, 25 nights. Uh, Average 33 people in per show. I don't know if this is fucking interesting to anyone, to be honest. (laughs) Why don't I show you my fucking report card from primary school as well? (laughs) As if anyone gives a fuck. Uh, I don't know. Maybe other comics are interested to know what numbers I got in. But regardless, it was fucking sick, man. The show was good. The Traveling Man, my other showcase. Oh my God. What an absolute fucking nightmare. I, I had a page of like... I had a page where I was going to do, you know, the same thing as I did for my solo show for that, where I would record the... So I record the number of people in, how much money I got, and my rating on myself for the performance and the show. And, like, Traveling Man, I stopped rating the performances and the show, like, after fucking day three. (laughs) And and I did... I mean, I, I counted the people all the way down to day 18 i pulled three shows in the run and then may be another few further down but like man by day three when i stopped rating those performances that was when i was like you know what it's not gonna get better that was when i knew that i had a fucking lemon on my hands and i had three days where i was trying to make it work and then fucking 22 was, that day what was that Uh, the fifth, so that was like uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I had four people in, made no money in the bucket, and that was the day that I was like, Oh man, I've got another 21 of these fucking shows to go, and none of them are gonna be good. (laughs) It was so bad just seeing people like rock up every day and just being like, This sucks, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. The day that I pulled it, oh my god, I was so fucking happy. I spent £113.50 on flyering for that fucking show. And what did I make? 15, 35, 55, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Of the, probably about £160 pounds for the whole run. God damn. I mean, at least I know now what it's like to lose money on a show. That's a, I think that was a fucking very important and humbling lesson for me. Lessing? Listening when you learn to listen, it's it's like a little snack only louder. Fuck, um, it was an important lesson for me because, like, I mean, I really thought like, given that there was seventy, it was like a like quote unquote seventy capacity room. I was like, I'm gonna be able to fill this. It's gonna be sick. I'm gonna be printing money out there, and. Uh, yeah, no one was coming. Uh, I, I just, I, I thought that people would come based on the based on that it was a showcase. What an arrogant motherfucker. If no one's going to come just to, to a fucking showcase. They, why would they go to that when they can see showcases on Cowgate or the Royal Mile or whatever for like and not walk, you know? There was nothing special about mine. Meanwhile, George Dimirelles, marketing fucking king, has his idea for a book lovers showcase and packs it every day bumble me tinder those guys latch onto a like all right it's hack, but it's dating stories packing it turning people away every single day no flyering um, my idea for next year is i'm going to do a showcase called uh, i'm going to call it my favorite song and it's going to be stories based off of music that people like comedians come on pick a song that they like and tell a story about that or do a set just like do a set kind of inspired by that song something like that you know I reckon, people will, um, I reckon people will fuck with that. I'm hoping so, anyway. doesn't have to be, like, super based on it, but just loosely so. And that way, like, my favourite parts of the shows are, like, when I get to sit there on stage before my show starts and, like, play music for people and talk about the music. Like, fuck, I love that shit. I want to make that somehow into a show, you know? Actually, oh, shit, I didn't check a music recommendation for this week. I do have one, though. How long are we done here? Maybe I'll save the music recommendation. I did want to talk about. Um, oh man, my favourite moments of the Fringe. Maybe the podcast, even the podcast with the guy. Like the, I don't know if you guys listened or what, but the uh, twenty-five days podcast. Not to be confused with fifty-two days, which is the name of my show. The twenty-five days podcast. Um, find it on edpod.libsyn.com. Um, Did that with Luca and Pete and uh, and Adam Knox, just so much fun, man. I did I did about ten episodes, I reckon, and uh, some of the fucking hardest laughs I had all festival were doing that podcast. And then the last day, after I pulled the traveling man showcase and replaced it with my old solo show and played to fucking five and four, and I played to a two. I played to two people, two fifty ish. Maybe sixty-year-old men who's <laughs> who would come up from Leicester and their wives were in town doing some musical, and they'd come out to see like a show, and they came and saw my show. They were lovely, but fuck, they didn't want to laugh. Um, yeah, just played to some weird fucking crowds. And then the last day of the fringe, just on Sunday, me, Luca, Knox, and Pete did a, a live episode of fifty-two of twenty-five days. Um, two people who would listen to the podcast showed up. With flyers for us to roast. So fucking cool. And uh, and I bombed my ass off. <laughs> oh, boy, did I bomb. Um, fucking, I'd been drinking since like two in the afternoon. And uh, I just wasn't on form. Well, I mean, look, I feel actually, let me talk about this. I feel like I'm Luca, Luca Muller and Adam Knox, actually, are two of the funniest fucking cunts off the calf that I know. That's so funny. And Pete is, he's not quite on that level, but he's also fucking real good. And uh, I just don't feel like I'm that person, you know? I really don't feel like I'm, at the, I don't know, my brain doesn't work like that. A perfect example was, and like, a lot of people, are, like I'm quick on stage when I'm working with a crowd, but I think that's because I have an authority on stage that I don't have when I'm, fucking around talking to my friends you know and i'll tell a story and sometimes our stories are dumb but at that point when i was so fucking drunk i wasn't even like able to tell stories you know i just at one point i like read out the flyer and like tried to get the point across that i was thinking in my head of why i thought it was stupid <laughs> and just pete just fucking took it off me <laughs> he took it out of my hands and it was like give me that you fucking idiot <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I really don't feel like my brain works in that way, though. I don't know. I I think that's what it is, is authority. When I'm I'm on stage with a crowd, I have the authority of being like, I'm the comedian, I can kind of play around with that and be like, fuck you, you're dumb, I'm smart, or whatever. And then it's fun that sometimes I go too far and then I have to like (laughs) fucking dial it back and that's silly and whatever. With my mates, I don't know. I'm just not a, I'm not a riff boy, man, Knox, Knox on that pod was throwing out some fucking amazingly quick stuff, that, at one point, I was just like, how did you think of that, I think I said that out loud, I was like, how the fuck did you make that connection so fast, that was incredible, um, so anyway, yeah, that, that made me feel insecure, but it was my fault for drinking all afternoon, like a fuckhead, (laughs) last day of Fringe, I'm like, I'm just gonna get so drunk, um, I had a bit of an emotional moment as well, man, well, like, that's like, I don't know what it is because I don't want to be this guy who's like, it's so special, what we do is so important. Like, I'm just fucking telling stupid stories and it's... But just going to a place, going, like, travelling to the other side of the world to do the thing that you love and doing it intensely for 25 days in a row. I did 115 gigs, by the way, in the Fringe. Almost, but not quite five a day. Just in between four and five a day. Um, and doing it that, going full ball like that, It just fucking... It's gonna feel meaningful when it ends. It's, you know, it's like a change. And uh, I remember that moment before my last show. I was with uh, my flatmates like Zara, Barry, Russell Hicks and Richard Wright and fucking Sarah Isles, Robin Perkins and fucking... um, We were just walking down the street and I was like, I don't know, man, I feel like fucking... Wait, did I miss someone? No, I didn't. No, No, I mean, Dave wasn't there. Um... (laughs) that's the most terrifying moment when you're like oh god have i missed someone are they listening to this is our friendship over do i need to write an apology letter um yeah i was like walking down the street and i was just like man i don't know guys i kind of feel like crying right now nothing happened but i just feel like i want to cry do you get that you're just like i just want to have a bit of a cry right now like i'm not gonna but i if i did i wouldn't be surprised that was what that moment just before my last show was. And then I went and did my last show. Zara and Russell came, which was amazing. Um, and uh, and that was probably my worst show of the run, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but the best number, that's crazy, right? Worst definitely did not feel like a good show. What did I rate it? I rated it a seven performance, seven for the show, which earlier in the run I was giving it some pretty dire ratings. That this is the first show, six and four. But... Yeah, the, maybe the worst show of the run, but the best, 193 pounds. Incredible. What was my worst one for the run? Worst money was, yeah, first show, 31 pounds. Oh, let's do a bit of music. Um, the song's called Queen Bee. Oh, it's by this dude called Taj Mahal. Queen Bee. My friend Nina, I put out an Instagram thing um, if you're not following my Instagram, by the way, please do. It's the only social media they I really actively use. Aiden Taco Jones, at Aiden Taco Jones on Instagram. I've been posting fucking stories all in, but I've been having mad fun with it. And, uh, oh, this is going to be hard to look up, actually, because, the dude, why as an artist would you call yourself Taj Mahal, you fucking idiot? It's like, like, think about the marketing, mate. Imagine if on Instagram, if he actually has at Taj Mahal. <laughs> um, oh shit, the song was released in 1977. Reggae, Blues, Pop. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like a funky blues. I, f- I picture this as just like a blues song, man. Um, he's singing like Rock It To My Soul, all that kind of stuff. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just wait up a second there's a very, all right, I was going up the stairs before, this is weird already, like I'm talking into a microphone in a bar, I don't know if you guys can hear, if I'm going to be able to cancel the sound out, but there's a lot, there's a, a lot of sound happening around me, no one else can see, can hear what I'm saying right now, and um, there were, so I was walking down to the toilets before, and I yeah, yeah, I left my bag on the seat, and walked for about three minutes to go to the toilet. Fucking, I was so terrified. I got my laptop and shit in my bag, a full pint next to it. I leave to go to the toilet. I honestly trust people in bars so much, and I don't know why. I'll leave a fucking, I'll leave my bag in the corner of a bar and not look at it for like an hour. <laughs> Come back, and it's always still there. It's always still there. I've never had shit stolen from, but I'll lose shit. I'll I'll lose shit all day when I'm drunk or smash phones or fucking whatever, but I've never had anything actually get taken, which is insane. And if anyone's listening to this and wants to steal stuff off me, fucking, you know where to find me, man. Legit any comedy night in Melbourne, any like open mic night, I'll leave my bag upstairs, go down, do my set, hang out, Go for some cigarettes, come back like two hours later and just like not even be surprised that my bag's still there. <laughs> That's like how much I fucking trust the, the patrons of bars. Because for real, who goes around stealing things other than me when I was 18? <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just. I, I don't feel like people do that. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, there's yeah. I saw. I went down to the toilet, left my bag up here, and uh, on the way back, there was a girl. I I only noticed her because she was walking slowly up the stairs, and I was like, "God, get the fuck out of my way!" I I, I want to catch the burglar who is definitely stealing my laptop right now. And um, I uh, I was walking up the stairs behind her. She was like a young girl. Oh, I mean, she's probably like a teenager, like fifteen or something. But then maybe she was eighteen, I don't know. And I, no- I was, I was gonna be like, sorry, and, and go past her, like get her to step to the side. But then I noticed that she was like wringing her hands, like a, a character in a Dostoevsky novel. And I was like, oh, she must be like really nervous, or she's having a bad time. And she was going real slow up the stairs. She probably wasn't going that slow. I was just impatient, but she was going slow, slowly. All right, and she got to the top, and then her or mom or whoever I don't know if it was I didn't see the other person's face so I couldn't tell their age but they put their arm around her and were like are you okay to do whatever and she was like no I'm fine I don't think she had anything like clinically wrong with her I thought that for a second but then I thought something that just happened I don't know anyway what made me just think of her then was she was standing kind of behind me but facing in the other direction in the middle of a walkway just standing there before what's happened with this per- who's this person and what has happened with them Do you ever see that person you're just like in a place and then there's like a weird person and you clock them and you're just like, hold on, something's going on there. And for the next like hour or so while you sit there having your beer, you're like, something's up with that person. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I wish I could go over and talk to them. But you can't, you know, you don't want to, I want to find out what, what, what's happened to make her be so stressed and nervous tonight. And why she's still here? Like she wants, she... She 100% wanted to go home and her friend asked her if she wanted to go home and she was like, no, 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 I'll stay. But no one's having their birthday at a Tuesday night and at a, at a Weatherspoon's. Surely not. What's happened? Why is she here? She seemed too young. She wasn't having a good time. Is this a night out for these people? I don't fucking know. Maybe this is like what they do during the school holidays or something. They just sneak into Weatherspoons and try and buy each other... Beers with their fake IDs. To be honest, that's probably what it is. This is like the equivalent of in Australia, like drinking in a park. The weather's too bad, so they just they break the law. <laughs> <coughs> um, oh, and this guy Taj Mahal. Let's have a look at what he's got. Oh, I got a new match on Tinder. I oh, thank you. All. <laughs> um, the essential Taj Mahal. What? Uh, no, I want to by blues artist, Taj Mahal, yeah, Henry St. Clair Fredericks, who uses the stage name, Taj Mahal is an American blues musician, self-taught singer, songwriter, and film composer, who plays the guitar, piano, banjo, and harmonica, among many other instruments, isn't it weird that they stop there, like, already when it was like, guitar, piano, banjo, harmonica, I'm like, that's too many, But then I guess they want to let you know that he's like a multi-multi instrumentalist or whatever. But why not just list all of them? Fuck it. There's a like a. If they did list all of them, I would be like, why not just fucking say he plays a lot of other ones? (laughs) Uh, He often incorporates elements of world music. What's world music? What is world music? Let's find out if Wikipedia has a non-racist definition for world music. <laughs> world music, also called global music or international music, is, you know, music other than what white people make. Oh, my God. A musical category encompassing many different styles of music from around the globe, which includes many genres, including they've put... This is how hard... They This is so good. I'll read the whole thing. (coughs) Musical category encompassing many different styles and musical forms from around the globe which involves many genres, including some forms of Western music represented by folk music, as well as selected forms of ethnic music, Indigenous music, Neo-traditional music, and music where more than one cultural tradition, such as ethnic music and Western popular music, it's a What is ethnic music? God, thank the Lord they don't have a fucking link on that one. Uh, indigenous music? I mean, That makes a bit more sense. But ethnic music, that is fucking brutal. And here's where they're trying to not be racist, is, is a musical category encompassing many different styles of music from around the globe, which includes many genres, including, they've used the word include three times. That's like Imagine the author of that page stammering like, "It's a, it's a form in, encompassing many different styles of uh, different uh, forms of music, including Western music, including Western music, and also including some music played by people of non-Caucasian uh, descent." <laughs> fucking hell! I love this page so much. Um. All right. Well. So that I'm taking a fucking screenshot of that and putting that on the Instagram after this. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> world fucking music. Shut your stupid mouth. Just get, maybe give it their own category. If someone plays a music that's not a westernized genre of music, maybe give it its own fucking category rather than calling it world music and otherizing it. Oh my God, I'm a fucking left-wing piece of shit. Um, <laughs> otherizing. Ooh, I went to university, everyone. So, um... I just want to check out this guy, Taj Mahal. Basically, the song's real beautiful. It's a nice little singing song. I like a a song that you can sing to, you know? Let's see what awards he's got. Three Grammy Awards and ten nominations over his career. All right, so he's... Yeah. (laughs) Fair play. If you get ten nominations and three awards... Yeah, three awards. That's my threshold. If he had two, I would have been like, fucking, who's this part-timer? Anyway, check the song out, man. It's a great song. Um, My friend Nina... Recommended it to me when I was um, I was just real hungover one day in the fringe, man. I mean, like I'm sleeping till like eleven a. m. anyway, like during the fringe. But then there was one one day when I slept till like two in the afternoon, and uh, I posted on my Instagram like real hungover. If anyone's got any music recommendations, and uh, and Nina just sent me this fucking great playlist of stuff that was on there. Oh, actually, I'll do another one. There's also another one. I'm a This is really nice. It's called "Me at the Museum, You at the Winter Garden" by Tiny Ruins. Just real nice, like acoustic stuff. Shit for when you're fucking hungover and lying in a sunbeam, you know. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that might be it, man. My favorite moment. Oh yeah, my favorite moments of the fringe. Crowd surfing in the late show in Espionage. Henry Ginsburg's late show at quarter to one every night. One Saturday night, I think I talked about this last week. Uh, the crowd basically were cheering the name of a comic who was trying to do jokes and he wouldn't do. He couldn't like get the jokes out because the crowd were too loud and they were chanting his name. And then I went on and started chanting his name again and crowd surfed over the crowd. That was like a long-term dream for me, man. To crowd surf at a comedy show, fuck yeah. Um, that's on my Instagram as well. And, uh, and, oh, Stella Donnelly, I love you. I've honestly considered calling my next year's show, I love you, Stella Donnelly. I keep wanting to call her Sarah Donnelly as well. But that's how much I love her. <laughs> um,. I'm not gonna because I don't know what the show would be but fuck that'd be funny just to do a show where I try and shout her out so hard that she eventually takes notice and then comes to the show <laughs> my fa- my probably my favorite moment of the fringe ever was doing my show on a Friday night and I was playing time after time by Stella Donnelly as I often do or did this year during the run and I was like loving it and just kind of grooving and At one point I went to sing to like, to be like, oh, we're singing, you know, but like as a joke to like get a laugh from the crowd and instead of laughing, the crowd started singing time after time with me, the last chorus and it was incredible, dude. I mean, just surreal stuff. I felt like fucking, I don't know who sings that song, but I, I said I felt like Paul McCartney, you know, just like standing on stage having people sing a song while you're there leading them in the singing. It was only 50 people, but it was so good. And Stella Donnelly fucking, you did that for me by 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 um, by covering that song and making me love it again. So thank you. I'm going to tell this story. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, um, just because I thought of Paul McCartney, and this will be the end. So um, I remember I saw Paul McCartney at, uh, at Roskilde Festival in Denmark in 2015 with Phil and um at the end he he plays for three hours right three fucking hours and he like for the first half hour i was like okay this is nice we get to see paul mccartney it's like you know but he's pretty old like it was fine it was good but it wasn't like amazing and then he played this song called um here today and it was about what he would say to John Lennon if he was here today because those guys had that fractious relationship and they fought, but he loved him and they were like this songwriting duo and he, towards the end of their life, they never really made up properly. And, um, and he played that song and uh, 180,000 people in the crowd, not a fucking dry eye in the house. It was incredible. And then after that, for the next two hours he just played song after song after song where every single song was like, oh my God, he's playing this one. He's playing this one. Like all the classics, Beatles stuff, Wings, fucking everything. And then um, and then he went off and then he came back and did a six track encore. And, you know, we're singing the whole time. He's getting audience interaction, all this kind of stuff. And then um, towards the end, he goes, what we like to do is we have, um, people always come out here and, uh, and they have signs for me and I think it's so lovely and you know they want to say something to me or get on stage and do something and so uh, try and make it for a couple of people we try and make that um, that happen. So the first girl comes up and she goes, um, she has a sign that says, Paul can you, uh, can I please have a hug? And he's like, oh darling, of course, absolutely. Here, have a hug mate, I love you, know, I love you, thanks for coming out, great. And she's like crying, she's like Gives him a hug. And then the second girl comes out and she's kind of, they're both like 20 year old Danish girls. And she's like, uh, got a sign that says, Paul, I love you. Can you please sign my arm for a tattoo? And the whole crowd are losing their shit. Everyone's like, oh, she's going to get a tattoo of his signature. And he's like, oh, did you ask your mother? And she's like, yeah, I did, I did gets the tattoo i like gets these like they tattoo her on the spot it's like another fucking <laughs> like another 20 minute job no she gets the signature on her arm and she's like crying she's like oh my god gets a hug as well and then the first girl runs back and goes i want to get a tattoo no <laughs> like she realized she fucking had one opportunity as well oh man so beautiful um fuck it that's the podcast for today guys thank you guys so much for listening if you've liked it like and subscribe on itunes or wherever you're getting your podcasts at give me five stars if you listen this far then you fucking enjoy it you can't Uh, um and uh go on my instagram and fucking subscribe to my instagram if you don't already that'd be sick as well other than that thank you guys so much for listening uh have a great week this has been aiden taco jones sitting under a tree peace